Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Partly cloudy and chilly tonight with lows in the mid-20s. Bright sunshine overhead tomorrow, climbing to around 50. Feeling like spring through midweek as our highs stay in the low to mid-50s. We're not going to be dry forever. Stray rain showers possible late Wednesday ahead of isolated showers Thursday. We'll see a brief cool snap Friday. Highs upper 30s as we start to dry out. We aren't going to be in the 30s for long. Back to a spring-like feel this weekend. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Jessica Burns. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Make sure that you do everything to get these kids ready to have success. It starts with giving them your heart. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Now it's going to be to take this team to the next level, and, I, and I'm excited for that challenge. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey, they know the expectations here. They better be loud and crazy and make sure everybody knows how special it is to play in Notre Dame Stadium. We continue on with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening. It's time to talk Notre Dame football with the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He is Tyler Horka. He joins me every Monday to talk some Fighting Irish football. Just a couple of weeks, Tyler, until we're going to have a whole lot to talk about. Spring football is just right around the corner, so I guess this is kind of the calm before the storm, and a chance for you to get a little extra sleep before the chaos begins. Yeah, I missed you last weekend because I was actually down in Dallas for the Super Bowl. My brother turned 30 the day after the Super Bowl, and I figured, well, you only do that once, so I should probably be down there for that. Had a lot of people at his house watching the game and then played some golf on uh, Monday morning. So not a lot of sleep last week, but these next few weeks I am here stationed in South Bend, and yeah, just kind of taking it easy because, man, it really is a sprint from mid-March through the end of April. I think the spring game is, I don't know, it's usually that second to last weekend in April. April 20th. They announced the date the other. Is it April 20th? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, mid-March through April 20th, it's it's definitely a sprint in, uh, in all kinds of content at com in that period. So I'm going to take these last few weeks of February to kind of chill out. Just as you were talking about your trip, I was just thinking through my tenure here, Tyrone Willingham and Brian Kelly were big golfers. Does Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. golf? No, I actually heard him on various podcasts and whatnot. Uh, kind of poke fun at his own golf game, just the way you and I would, our own as well. So um, I don't think he's too big into that uh into that sphere. So I guess that's the first time in what, over 20 years? Or I guess I don't know about Charlie Weiss either. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't take me as a big golf guy, but I don't think Marcus is one either. Charlie hosted charity golf tournaments. I think that might be as far as it went. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little football. First off, some news recently. Al Golden signing an extension to stay on as defensive coordinator. Deal McCullough gets an additional title. Associate head coach, the significance of those two moves. Yeah, obviously the golden thing. I know Notre Dame fans are excited, and you should be, because it means he's at least here through the 2024 season. But, I mean, those contracts are as good as a kid saying that he's going to play at Notre Dame for four full years, and then he's got the luxury or the ability, whatever you want to call it, to, I don't know, go to LSU or go anywhere else Notre Dame kids have transferred to in the last couple of years. So 
it, it's a good thing because it, Notre Dame is showing that it wants Golden around for those four years. That's what this means is Notre Dame saying, hey, if you want to be here at Notre Dame for the next four years, we will have you and we'll give you some more money and you know, tell us what you need because we'll have it for you. But if Al Golden wants to, I feel like, Darren, we're going to play this. Is Al Golden going to jump ship game every single offseason? Because he's that good of a coach, and he's got the ability to do that if he wants to. But from the Notre Dame, Notre Dame side of things, extending that, that, that you know, offer, contract, whatever you want to call it, you know, reaching out your hand and saying, we want you here if you want to be here, that is the commitment that Notre Dame is looking for. And now you've got a couple of coordinators and Mike Denbrock and Al Golden that are very experienced, know what they're doing, and that's, you know, that's comfort, that's stability, that's cohesion for the Notre Dame coaching staff. As far as Dylan McCullough getting that uh, extra title, associate head coach, I think that's awesome because he's on his way to being an offensive coordinator, just like Mike Mickens, who, who's kind of gotten his own title bumps in the last couple of years, passing game coordinator on the defensive side. Looks like he's going to coach all of the Notre Dame defensive backs, not just the corners. Those are a couple guys who are going to be coordinators at the college level sometime soon. And just every year that you retain guys like that, really great recruiters in their own rights as well. Every single year that you have those guys remaining on staff is a big win, a big plus. Goes back to that continuity and cohesion thing that I just talked about too. There was not a whole lot of turnover with the staff. Yeah, you lose Jerry Parker to Troy, but you probably upgrade with Mike Denbrock and then you didn't lose a whole lot else. So I think the Notre Dame coaching staff just, you know, with these moves and, and the way the rest of the cycle has played out very favorably for Notre Dame. It's really interesting, Tyler, how in a year, a narrative, whether it was fair or not, has been altered during the whole offensive coordinator search a year ago where we ended up with Jared Parker. It didn't seem like from the outside looking in that Notre Dame was all in to helping Marcus Freeman get the guy necessary to get this team to a playoff position. They ended up with Jared Parker, but then they ended up with Mike Denbrock this year, which you had to spend a lot of money to get him. And now you're heavily investing in your other coordinator spot, Al Golden, and you got to give up a few more coins for the promotion of Dela McCullough. Doesn't it feel like that narrative is now long gone? It does. And I think you could look at it two ways. And again, the truth is not completely out there, but let's just look at the administration. Let's look at the guys who are pulling these strings, making these moves. They told us a year ago that it wasn't a money thing. And Andy Ludwig, that's obviously the offensive coordinator shenanigans that we're talking about here. He was at Notre Dame and then he wasn't at Notre Dame. Why? Well, everyone said it's because Notre Dame didn't pay the buyout. Maybe that is the case that, that if it was, not a great look for Notre Dame. But what is a great look for Notre Dame is exactly one year later, not even a calendar year later, you go out and steal the leader of the number one offense in the country, the guy who coached the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, LSU, all the talent that they bring in, that is a cushy job. You brought him back to Notre Dame. That, that is a huge response. If it was a buyout mishap with the Notre Dame administration, what they do, they turn around and gave Mike Denbrock whatever he needed and wanted to come back to Notre Dame. Cha-ching. And if it wasn't a, a buyout deal and Andy Ludwig just kind of did what he did and wanted to stay at Utah, whatever, well, Notre Dame went hunting again for a really good offensive coordinator, probably even a bigger one, a better name, and, and got him. So however you want to look at it, Darren, I totally agree with you. Uh, th- that whole thing, like where we were feeling at this time last year, February 19th, 2023, 
the world was on fire for Notre Dame because they couldn't get the <laughs> offensive coordinator that they wanted. I mean, wasn't it right around this time, Darren, when uh, Ludwig was at that uh, football game or that hockey game at Compton Family Ice Arena uh, in mid-February? Now none of that matters because they got their guys. Uh, they got Al Golden to stay. They got Mike Denbrock from LSU, and everything is looking up for this team in 2024. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. The worst-kept secret in college football, Notre Dame and Army, now announced as the Shamrock Series game at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx in November. So the Irish will play two service academies on their 2024 schedule. The Shamrock Series, the Irish are 11-0 in these neutral site games. Notre Dame can spread their educational and spiritual message to other markets across the country with these games, but it also takes away a Notre Dame home game and moves it to a neutral site. Now, it's not hurt the Irish, they're 11-0. I would like your perspective as I don't want to say a newcomer on the beat, but you're newer than a lot of the, the mm-hmm. people on the beat. What is your perspective on Notre Dame moving a home game? I mean, you've cover, covered other universities. Is it strange mm-hmm. to you? Do you understand why they do it? Uh, well, here's the thing. My, my perspective has already been shaped by Notre Dame fans because there are a lot of them, and they are very loud. I can already – I mean, it, it's already started on our message board, Darren, the griping – uh, losing the home game. Why are we playing two service academies? We're going to run them both off the field. In uh, this is going to carry on for Notre Dame all year, especially if you do lose to A and M or uh, Florida State gets you, or especially if you have two losses and you're sitting there saying, "Okay, how are we going to win back the the graces of the college football playoff posters and then the committee and all that by playing." Navy and by playing Army, so I, I know there's going to be a whole lot of griping. As far as losing the home game, I, I think that's a cool thing, honestly. Like, if if you, for example, Darren, if you give me the choice of playing Army at Notre Dame Stadium or Army at um, Yankee Stadium in New York City, I'm going to take Yankee Stadium every single time just because Notre Dame has – the resources, the ability, the fan base, the nationwide type of thing to do that. And a lot of a lot of other programs couldn't do that. Like you mentioned the other programs that I covered. I mean, I went to Texas. I covered Mississippi State. Those two schools can't play Army at Yankee Stadium and have it be a big <laughs> deal or, or a cool deal. And I get geography has some something to do with that. But it's not like South Bend, Indiana is, is very close to New York City. And those other places are a little further, obviously. But, I mean, that's – I think the comparison works. Like you can't just have Texas play a service academy wherever and and everyone's going to be interested. This is Notre Dame. This is Army. I think the interest is going to be there. Yeah, you lose a home game, but I still stand by it. If you give me the choice of playing them here or playing them at Yankee Stadium, you go play at Yankee Stadium because not a lot of programs can do that. You're telling me there's a difference between Eddy Street Commons and Times Square? (laughs) Just a little bit, you know, maybe a few more places to eat and drink and a, a little more. sightseeing. Just a few. It's cleaner, though. Yeah. Oh, 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 absolutely. I love taking a stroll down Eddy Street. Give me some Chipotle, go in for a beer at a works, anything like that. <laughs> um, I wouldn't advise taking out in New York City and, and letting my food kind of hit that air, whereas yeah. I, I would gladly sit on the porch at Chipotle and Eddie Street Commons and, and enjoy a burrito right there, no problem. I like the sound of that. As we get ready for spring practice, I'm wondering what your take is on the tight end position. 
We have seen young tight ends get on the field pretty consistently the last couple of years. Cooper Flanagan had opportunities last year. As you go into spring practice, and of course you got a couple of guys coming off knee injuries and Mitchell Evans mm-hmm. and, and Bowman, what is your take on what the tight end position could mean for the Fighting Irish this year? I tell you what, uh, this position actually kind of scares me a little bit if Mitchell Evans is not healthy. And you mentioned Kevin Bauman not being 100% spring practice either, I would imagine. I know that injury happened in uh, August or September, so maybe he is working his way back. But Mitchell Evans definitely won't be a full participant in uh, these spring practices. So, uh, And then you lost Holden Spays, obviously, to Tennessee. I, I thought he was a really good up-and-coming pass catcher. But uh, it's going to be Eli Raritan and Cooper Cunningham. See if those guys can start breaking out because I think the potential Eli Raritan and so many different guys like him for so many different reasons. But like I, I felt like when he came back from his knee injury, we're, we're talking about too many knee injuries with this position, obviously. Uh, there was just like a little bit more that he could have offered or a different gear he could have got to that I don't think he ever did. Um, and look, we're, we're judging all these guys up against – uh, the Tommy Trembles and the Michael Mayers and the Cole Komets who just ran, ran through here. But, you know, Evans is that. And he showed that through six or seven games last year before his injury. Without him, I'm not so sure. It's going to have to be like a, a prove-it-to-me type of situation with these guys because, I mean, I've, I've written so many different stories at blueandgold.com, Darren, about these guys. And it's here are the numbers for this Notre Dame tight end room with Mitchell Evans, and then here are them without and I don't know them off the top of my head, but I do know that there is a huge disparity, and it's time for guys like Eli Raritan to step up and Cooper Flanagan to break out in a sophomore season, Kevin Bauman to stay healthy, hopefully, because that's full strength. It's definitely a deep and very good room, but, I mean, these, these guys have set a precedent of not staying healthy at this point. Quick thought on Keon Sab, a Michigan safety that is the in the transfer portal, and he is getting a lot of attention from all the major programs, including mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Yeah, and including Georgia and Alabama and Penn State and Auburn and like you know Big Ten, SEC doesn't matter; they're all going after him. So I think it's good that Notre Dame is in that conversation or having those conversations with him. And then you look at the safety position. I mean, it's Xavier Watts and everybody else. I get that. Rod Hurd coming in from Northwestern, they want him to play safety, but he played pretty much exclusively nickel corner last year. So that's an adjustment for him. And if you're going to throw him at one of those safety spots and, and ask him to play 600 snaps, I don't know if you're comfortable with that going into the season. So if the numbers work and you can add a depth piece, uh, a guy like Sab who started five games for the 15-0 and national champion Michigan Wolverines, uh, you take him. I don't know if he's all-American level or anything like that. Like, I don't know if he's going to break out like Xavier Watts did, but if you end up at Michigan and you're a national champion and you've got all these games played and games started under your belt at a place like that, then you could surely play at a place like Notre Dame, and it's definitely a position that Notre Dame needs some experience and some depth at as well. Tyler, how about a quick thought on tonight's Notre Dame women's basketball game at Duke, 7 o'clock on our sister station, live 99.9. If the Irish win, they're in sixth place in the league. If they lose, they fall all the way down to eighth place. And Duke has not been an easy out for the Irish the last couple of years. No, I think they're 0-3, and, you know, it's a three-game losing streak to to this team. Neal Ivey has never beaten He's only played them – so this will be the third time in her three, or her four years here. 
Uh, and it, Kara Lawson knows what she's doing. I mean, she's a very good name in women's college basketball, smart, uh, intelligent coach, did this at the highest level a couple of decades ago herself, maybe even less than that. So coached scrappy team, number one defense in the ACC. And if you look at Notre Dame's last game, it's offense that plagued them in that one against NC State, only scoring 43 points, shooting 26.9%, I think it was. I mean, it was it was an abysmal day offensively for Notre Dame. So it's a tough task to come back on the road to a team like that. But here's something that Notre Dame has going for it. It has not lost back-to-back games in the last three years. Uh, so ever since Neil Ivey got that first 500 season out of the way, the COVID season, it was a weird one. It kind of flushed that. Uh, what this program has been in the last three seasons has been one that bounces back from losses and kind of gets the ship going in the right direction after it looks like it, it was sinking. So it was a sinking ship against NC State a couple nights ago at home, only scoring 43 points. But you can kind of absolve some of that. If you go on the road at Duke, a, a pretty good team, team that is slated to be in the NCAA tournament right now and get a really big road victory. So I wouldn't say it's really Jekyll and Hyde for this Notre Dame team. They're still better than that. I mean, 18-6 and six isn't too terrible. A little bit disappointing with some of the losses, but this would be one of their better if they can go on the road and beat Duke. Tyler, what's happening right now at blueandgold.com? Yeah, plenty going on there. Um, Recruiting-wise, we've got some stuff going up um, on basketball, obviously, both teams, baseball even. Uh, with a series opening of Rice down in Houston. So uh, I think that is awesome. We even have a, a roundup of the, the lacrosse teams. My colleague Jack Sobel wrote about both of those teams because, let's be honest, they're, they're kicking some butt, both of those teams, and I think that's pretty cool uh, to have those two teams doing really well. So just kind of in the spring swing of things, obviously, like I was saying at the beginning of this, it's going to be very football, football, football heavy once spring practice hits in the middle of March. But – Kind of in that gray area right now, you can read all about all of those other sports and definitely recruiting. So, uh, like I always say, uh, it may be the downtime for football, but we still got everything rocking and rolling at blueandgold.com. Have a great week. We'll try it again next Monday. All right. I will talk to you then. Thank you, sir. That is Tyler Horka. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. The Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. It is 551 Twitter question of the day is coming up in just a couple of moments. WHME 46 is Chuck Freebie's going to join me at 610. A lot more to get to. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Say-